kind of set the stage here, and I talked about this last week. I, Isaiah chapter 7 is, um, there's a lot happening here. Um, the king of Israel's kingdoms, are there's two of them. There's Judah, it's the southern kingdom, which is comprised of two tribes of, the, of Israel. And then the, the northern part of Israel is the other ten tribes, and it's two different kingdoms. And, and the southern one is where Jerusalem is the capital. And uh, King Ahaz is the king there. And uh, Israel has made a, uh, the northern kingdom has made a military uh, alliance with Syria, which is uh, their, their neighbor up there. And it's kind of like uh, two, two mid-level bullies were, were coming together to take on the big bully, which is the Assyrians, which is a little bit further north. And the Assyrians were a cruel and a brutal people, and uh, when they came in, they cleaned house, and they didn't care what you thought, and they moved through. And so Israel, being a, the northern kingdom, being a little bit scared, they uh, made an alliance with Syria. I know it's very confusing. There's Syria, and then there's Assyria. Um, Syria, and they, they combined, and then Assyria comes down, and they, or uh, the, uh, the northern kingdom of Israel, they're trying to make this alliance with the southern kingdom of, of Judah, uh, uh, and King Ahaz, he does something, um, instead of seeking the Lord necessarily, he makes an alliance with the king of Assyria. So he skips the two mid-level bullies and goes to the big bully, all right? And he gives him a, a peace offering of, of money for protection. I have no idea what is going on with my phone right here, but I'm going to go ahead and shut it down. All right. And so anyway, so I just kind of lay a little bit of and So they're in this turmoil, and because he does what he does, they are given a little bit of time. He puts his trust in King Ahaz, puts his trust in man instead of putting his trust in God. There's a lot to say just in that right there. How many know that we put our trust in God? All right. All right. I need you guys to get a little bit vocal with me today. Just let me know you're out there, all right? And, 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 and so he puts his trust in kings. He puts his trust in governments. How many know it's better to put your trust in God than it is to put your trust in governments? All right. Thank you, man. I got a lot of amens on that one. Um, but I, I, I want to say this. It's, it's, it's interesting. So Israel, uh, uh, the Judah here, the southern kingdom, they're, they are maintained a little bit longer because the Assyrians would eventually come down. But God gives them a little bit more time, and, and so they are, but they're in a very dark place, and they are about to be um, basically sent out. They're the Assyrians would come in, and they would take out both kingdoms. Uh, they would take out all three, the Syrians, the, the Israelites, and the, the kingdom of Judah. And then what would happen is the Babylonians would come in after that, and they would send all of Israel into exile. They would take them back, Okay. And how many know that story? How many know Daniel and the lions then? How many know Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? That's those stories talking about Babylonia. But this is, this is prior to that. So Israel is in this dark place because they've put their trust in man instead of God. Can you hear what I'm saying today? And, and so today I want to look at this. This uh, uh, chapter 9 verse 2 says this. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in a land of deep darkness, on them has light shone. Now, Matthew's gospel talks about 
that Jesus is the what? The light of the world. When Jesus comes in to a dark place, the light shines. And that light is Jesus Christ. So, so speaking of this, now this is, this is particularly speaking to Israel. And you need to understand something about when, when Isaiah speaks, when Isaiah prophesies, Sometimes, it's interesting, sometimes he is giving a short-term prophecy, but in the middle of giving a short-term prophecy, it fulfills something in the short, but it also is long-term, and it fulfills something in the, in, the, in the distant, okay? So sometimes you're seeing a prophecy, and you say, well, that's nice, that's a nice little package, it covers this short thing, and you're wondering, where does this go in the long run? And so, or vice versa, and so sometimes when you read Isaiah, you got it, there's a lot of depth to Isaiah, Amen. And so when you're reading this, you need to understand that when he is alluding to this, the people who walked in darkness, now here he's talking about Israel, they have seen a great light. That great light is Jesus Christ, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And those in the land of of deep darkness and on them the light has shone. So look at this, verse verse 6 through 7, it says this, and you guys know this verse, I promise you, most of you. If you've been in church for any length of time, you know this verse. It says this, verse 6 says, For unto us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, And of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end. On the throne of David and over over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. There's a lot that he says there. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. When God says he'll do something, he will do do it. Amen. Today, I talked to you last week about Emmanuel, God with us. Today, I want to talk about the character of a Savior. Everyone say the character of a Savior. Everyone shake your neighbor and say uh, the character of the Savior. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, God, I thank you for your word. God, I pray, Lord, that, that it would be revealed to us today. God, I pray, Lord, that our hearts would be open. God, I pray, Lord, that you would show us who you are today. In the mighty name of Jesus, God, use me how you see fit. Help me to get out of the way. God, let my words be yours. In the mighty name of Jesus, we prayed. Everyone said amen. So I love Christmas. Amen. How many love Christmas? How many have ever uh, uh, at Christmas time, one thing I love about Christmas time is people put lights on their house. I enjoy seeing lights on houses. How many enjoy seeing lights on houses? How many are the Grinch and don't like lights on houses? All right. I enjoy the, the, the more decorations, the better. Now, don't go by my house and go judging me because I don't have a lot of lights on my house. But listen, the more lights that you have on your house, the greater I like it, all right? I get to go by and see it. You're paying the bill, right? But anyways, I'm not a Grinch. I promise. I'm not a Grinch. We're, we're kind of going through this perpetual review of our lights. You know, every once in a while you get to take inventory, see what's good, what's working, and then you try to use it, and then if it doesn't work, throw it away. <coughs> Amen? All right. So 
Uh, but I, I love Christmas and the, the, the Christmas time because the story of Jesus coming. Jesus would come, uh, the King of kings and the Lord of lords would come in the most humbly way possible in the form of a child. He wouldn't be born in a, in a, in a castle high, in a castle. He would be born in a stable or in a manger in a, in a, with animals, his mom and dad, and some shepherds. That is not a lot of fanfare, right? And some angels. And so that is not a lot of fanfare. And so, so, so he would come humbly. And, and so I want to look at this. I want to break this little this bit of scripture down. And bear with me. We're going to lay a foundation today, all right? And if you guys help me lay a foundation, we'll get out of here faster. What do you mean by that? When you say amen, we'll get out of here a little bit faster today, all right? Man, look at you guys go. I like that. A bunch of jokesters up in here. Jesus, and I, I said this last week, but Jesus, he is the son of man, he is the son of God, and he is the sovereign Lord. Everyone say that with me. Jesus, the son of man, the son of God, and the sovereign Lord. Say it again. The son of man, the son of God, and the sovereign Lord. So look at this. I, I want to show you this. Look at this. It says this. For unto us a child is born. How many were born in the house? If you did not raise your hand, we need to talk. Everybody in here was born at least once, right? You would say, well, were you born twice? Well, I was, I was born again, you know, when I came to know salvation. But, but, but for unto us a child is born. This speaks primarily of Jesus' humanity. He was human. He was born of a woman. How many were born of a woman? If you did not raise your hand, we need to talk. In Matthew 8, 18, 11, Jesus would say, the son of man came to save which was lost. He called himself the son of man. In, in Mark uh, chapter 8, verse 31, he would say this, that the son of man would suffer many things and be rejected. So Jesus would use this title, son of man, talking of himself. And, and the reason being is it shows his humanity. To be born shows your humanity, that you are human. And he dealt with pain. Do you know Jesus dealt with pain? Jesus dealt with suffering. Jesus dealt with good times. Jesus dealt with bad times. Jesus dealt with betrayal, temptation, hunger pains. Jesus probably didn't want to get up in the morning sometimes. Anybody ever been there? And so everything that you faced, Jesus dealt with. This is amazing. He, he was human. He was, he was born of a virgin. In Isaiah chapter 7, the prophet Isaiah would say, that the virgin would bear a child, and that virgin being Mary. In Luke chapter 1, Gabriel, the angel of the Lord, would tell Mary that she has found favor with God and that she would conceive a son, and his name shall be called Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord will give him the throne of his father David, and rule over the house of Jacob, and his kingdoms shall have no end. How many know that when you read that last little bit of scripture there, it sounds an awful lot like Isaiah chapter 9, the seventh verse. 
that, that you will rule over your father's kingdom, David's kingdom, and it will go on forever and ever. And so can you imagine being Mary in that moment? And this angel shows up to you, number one, and the first thing the angel says is, fear not. If you saw an angel, most of us would be terrified. And the angel says, fear not. And, and then he tells you, hey, you're going to have a son, and you're going to name him Jesus, and he's going to be the son of the Most High. Can you imagine what it would have been like to be Mary in that moment? And she's probably saying, hold on, Gabriel, that's all nice, but I got news for you. I have not been with a man. And you know that if I have not been with a man, I cannot bear a son. But listen to what Gabriel says. And he says this, that the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and, and that which is conceived in your womb will be from the Holy Spirit. So that meaning this, that, the, that God would come upon this virgin Mary, that the Holy Spirit would, would move in her womb and create in her Jesus Christ. So look at this. So why the virgin birth? And so can I tell you this, that Jesus lived a sinless life. Jesus lived a sinless life. How many believe that? Jesus lived a sinless life. If you are a Christian, it is one of the non-negotiable truths that we have to stand on that Jesus lived sinless. Why? I'll get to that in just a minute. So why the virgin birth? Why the virgin birth? His humanity from beginning to end, Jesus lived a sinless life. The Son of Man had to be born of a woman who had not yet been tainted by sin to come in pure and spotless. Jesus would be the propitiation for our sin. He would be the ultimate sacrifice for our sins. And in doing so, if you know anything about the Old Testament, that when they would pick a lamb, the lamb had to be perfect. It had to be spotless. There could be no blemish on it. And Jesus Christ lived a perfect, sinless, spotless life so that he may be the, the perfect sacrifice on your behalf. That ought to get your juices pumping. All right, where's my amens? Come on, say amen. All right, thank you. There you go. So look at this. To be the son of man, he had to be born of a woman, but to be the son of God, he had to be born of a virgin. His birth was unlike anybody else's. No one else in the history of the world was born of a virgin. So check this out. For, uh, for under us, a child is born. To us, everyone say, to us. A son is given. Now, this particular bit of scripture speaks of his deity and who God is. And, and many would call him the son of God. I'm going to give you a list. Jesus called himself the son of man because he was, he was man and he was God. He did both things simultaneously. So check this out. So the angels in Luke chapter 1, verse 35, Gabriel would say this. Therefore, the child to be born will be called holy the Son of God, okay? So there's one, the angels. Number two, the demons would call him the Son of God. In Luke chapter 4, verse 41, in Mark 3, 11, when he cast out demons, the demons would call him. They would say, you are the Son of God. They knew who he was. So check this out. His disciples in Matthew 14, 33, it, it says this, and those in the boat worshiped him, saying, truly, you are the Son of God. In Matthew 16, uh, 15 and 16, it says, he said to them, but who do you say I am? And Simon Peter replied, 
you are the Christ, the Son of God. How many know that they are getting something? They know what's right. Jesus would say this. Look at this. In Isaiah 43, 25, not Jesus specifically saying this, but Scripture tells us that I am he who blots out your transgressions for my own sake, and I will not remember your sins. Only God could give this kind of mercy and dispense grace. But look at this. In Mark chapter 2, Jesus tells the paraplegic man that came down out, out of the ceiling that he, the first thing he said is, your sins are forgiven. So only the Son of God could, could, uh, uh, could tell that man that his sins were forgiven. He asserts his sonship to the Father here. That's what Jesus is doing. And here's another one. So there's four references to Jesus being the Son of God. The Father in heaven, after Jesus is baptized, and I mentioned this last week, and after Jesus' uh, transfiguration, a loud voice from heaven it comes out, and, th- and it says this. This is my what? My what? My what? In whom I am well pleased. So Jesus is the Son of God. And to be a Christian, that is an unequivocal truth that you have to live by. He is the Son of God. Look at this, verse 6. Born speaks of a man, and, and, and given speaks of something given from a deity. He was both man and God. I'm going to share something with you, all right? Look at this. At Lazarus' tomb, he cried because that was his friend. That was his humanity. But just a few moments later, he would speak to Lazarus and pull him out of, out of the grave. That is his deity. In the boat, in the storm, he was asleep. That is his humanity. But then just a few minutes later, when the disciples woke him up, he would go up and speak to the storm and say, peace, be still. That is his deity. At the, the woman at the well, was, was, uh, he was thirsty at the well, and that shows that Jesus had he was hum, his humanity. How many ever get thirsty from time to time? But look at this. At that moment, uh, when he's there at the well, he would offer the Samaritan woman the living water. That is the Son of God showing his deity. Look at this. He would die on a cross of Calvary. It's appointed for man to die. That shows his humanity. But three days later, he would raise from the dead, and showing that he is the Son of God, defeating death, hell, and the grave forever. How many know that we know the Son of God, Jesus Christ, is going to rule forever and ever? Amen. He is the Son of Man, and he is the Son of God. Man, I'm getting pumped up here. He is both the Son of Man and He is the Son of God. Scripture says this, and the government shall be upon His shoulders. And the government upon His shoulders is not a, a braid like we would see a general. You know, they would, they would have a braid on their shoulders. You can recognize someone who is, who is high ranked by what they have on their shoulders, right? But that's not what it's talking about. But Jesus, He would bear our sins on the cross of Calvary, 
and there he will govern. That, that, that is what, what he's saying, laying down his life, seeing, and I love this because Isaiah is seeing beyond Bethlehem, not just seeing Jesus as a young child, not being short-sighted for a quick revolution. You know, the Israelites, they, they were short-sighted because they wanted a quick revolution. They wanted Jesus to, to come and raise an army and to be a conqueror and to take over the Roman Empire, but that wasn't the kingdom that Jesus was establishing. He was establish, establishing his eternal kingdom. And Isaiah is talking about the foundation of the Lord's kingdom in the millennial reign. He's talking about something that is even beyond what, where we are at this moment. And God is coming to set up a perfect kingdom. When he takes us out of this, our blessed hope, when we are taken out of this earth, when he comes for his bride, listen, we are going to rule and reign with him. And everything is going to be made right. The government on his Shoulders. Let me give you a little advice when you're voting. When you think of the candidate that you're voting for, think about that person shouldering the weight of the government. Something to pray about, something to think about. And so when Jesus rules, it's all going to be right. It's all going to be perfect. Amen? And I like this. The next portion says, his name shall be called Looking ahead here, Isaiah is alluding to Jesus Christ, the coming Messiah. And he gives a list here. He gives a list of titles. And they're not necessarily uh, um, his name, but they, but they, they are titles that Jesus would fulfill in his, in, in his ministry and in his Masonic role. And he gives four titles or, or four attributes, and some, some would say it's five, some would say it's four. It's, it really doesn't matter. I think it's a, it's a matter of, of, of uh, pronunciation here. And, and so, but we're going to look at it in, in the sense of four, and you can look at it in, in five if you want. So we're going to talk about this, the character of a Savior. Are you ready for this? The character of a Savior, number one. You ready for this? Wonderful Counselor. His name shall be called Wonderful Counselor. Uh, if you have a, a translation of the Bible, it may say wonderful, comma, counselor. Anybody have a translation in your Bible where it says that, it does that? Listen, that is not a wrong translation necessarily. How many know that Jesus is wonderful? He stands alone. He is wonderful all by himself. He is great. And then, and then the flip side of that, but those words, if you look at that, the next little bit of scripture, the next four things, they are two words, right? Wonderful counselor, mighty God, uh, uh, everlasting father, prince of peace. There's two things. And so uh, many people believe, hey, there was uh, uh, that, that, that comma ought not be there because truthfully, the Hebrews, they didn't use uh, 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 commas, okay? So it wouldn't have necessarily been there. So whoever uh, did that particular Bible, they just thought it ought to be there for whatever reason. Doesn't make it right. Doesn't make it wrong. I think both work. But can I tell you this? Jesus is both wonderful and a wonderful counselor. He is both things. He is both wonderful and a wonderful counselor. So, and, and here's the thing. You can get a lot of counsel from a lot of people, amen? Matter of fact, it's probably one of the easiest things that you can get from anybody. Matter of fact, some people will give you their counsel whether you want it or not. You guys don't be looking around in here. And they'll tell you what you ought to do. And you can get some good counsel from people. And sometimes people, well-meaning people will give you counsel. And sometimes that's good and sometimes that's great. And sometimes that's not good and sometimes that's bad. 
And, 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 and here's the thing. A lot of us, we, we need counseling. We need to talk to the wonderful counselor. And, and can I tell you this? If you need counseling, and, and, and you know, when you, when you say, hey, I want to talk to a wonderful, you say, Pastor, I want to talk to a wonderful counselor, that excludes everybody on staff here at Cornerstone. Because none of us can meet that criteria. When you meet with us to counsel, we're going to love on you. We're going to do our best. We're going to pray about it. We're going to ask the Holy Spirit to show us things. And we're going to try to help you out. But there is no counselor like Jesus Christ, the wonderful counselor. Only Jesus can be wonderful. And wonderful means astonishment or, or, or marvelous. Everyone say marvelous. It means this, incomprehensible. How many know that Jesus, uh, he astonishes us, and he is incomprehensible. He is, he is amazing, and we can't even wrap our head around how good he is. When I start to think about the goodness of God, I fall short in my mind, and you fall short in your mind. We can't even fathom how good God is. Counselor meaning an advisor or someone who knows what they're talking about. Now, a lot of us want to go get counsel from people that, that we think they know what they're talking about, and they think they know what they're talking about. But only one person can give true counsel, and that's Jesus Christ. This is amazing to me because the word wonderful here in Hebrew is, is Pele. And I'm probably mispronouncing that, but it sounds like the soccer player, right? Uh, it's Pele. And, and the word wonderful here, and it can be translated uh, 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 marvelous or astonishing but but th there's another meaning to this it, it is miracle everyone say miracle or miraculous and there are 15 times in the old testament where this word pele is used and one of those times listen i want to show you one of those times where this scripture is used is when the children of israel are crossing the red sea and they're they're asking god uh, uh, to, to help them, and Pharaoh's army comes across, and, and remember the Red Sea crashes over him and takes out Pharaoh's army. Well, the next chapter there, they are praising and they are singing a song on the other side of the river, and that word Pele there is right there. The miraculous has just happened. Do you hear what I'm saying today? When we talked about God being the wonderful counselor, he is not just giving you counsel, but he is giving you a miracle, a miracle worker, amen? He is doing above and beyond what you can imagine. We expect God to give us here. God's saying, I'm going to get you right here. This is where I'm going to help you out. Has God ever moved a mountain in your life? And I remember when we were young, and, and me and Tristan, we stepped into full-time ministry, and we left California right after the, the 2008 uh, housing crisis. And we left there, and we, we had lost money on our house, and we needed to sell our house, and we didn't know what we were going to do. We had no clue, and our backs were to the wall, but we, we knew that God was calling us to do something, and we took a step of faith. We prayed about it. We were like, God, what do we do? How do we do this, and what do we do? And I'll never forget, we said, God, if you could just help us, if you could help us short sell this house, or if you could help us do this particular thing or, or that, and we had it made up in our mind. But God said, hey, TJ, you set the bar here, but I'm going to set the bar here. And God sent someone our way who came to us and said, hey, TJ, you are moving, and you, we want to rent your house and we want to rent it for whatever your mortgage is. Who does that? That is a wonderful counselor. 
miracle worker. I'll never forget, I cried and cried, and I thought, God, only you can do something like that. Ephesians 3.20 says this, Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we could ask or think according to the power at work within us. Everything that you need, maybe you're going through a dark time, you feel like the children of Israel, can I tell you the wonderful counselor has a miracle for you. Amen? Come on, give Jesus a hand clap of praise. Can I tell you about the wonderful counselor? He, his advice is infallible and wonderfully right. And when you follow his counsel, he will exceed your mind. And let me introduce you to the wonderful counselor, Jesus Christ, the only one qualified to carry and to give, to give supreme counsel to any situation and advice and shine the light in the dark place. Amen? He'll be a counselor to you. Not only does, is he a wonderful counselor, but this is amazing to me, but he gives wonderful advice, but he, uh, he alone has the means to make it happen. I can get advice from a lot of people. You can give advice to a lot of people. I can give advice to people all day long, but I do not have the means to make it completely happen. But can I tell you, Jesus Christ can give advice and also has the means to make it happen. This leads us to our next point, number, number two, mighty God. Everyone say mighty God. Mighty meaning strong and meaning powerful. And, there, and there's a Hebrew word for strong uh, 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 that, that's not used here in this saying. And it's kind of like a, the, the Hebrew word that is used uh, throughout Scripture. It means strong. It's kind of like a dad. You know, a child says, my dad is strong. My dad can lift this. My dad can, can pick up, you know, four pieces of wood at once. My dad is this. My dad can beat up your dad because my dad's stronger than anybody ever getting those arguments in, in grade school. Right? Okay, I was the only one. I'm sorry. That was just me. But it's like a child saying you were strong. But, but in this case, the word strong and mighty comes from the Hebrew word gabar, meaning powerful warrior or hero. And this is it's speaking in military sense, someone who has shown strength in the battlefield. Do you hear what I'm saying here today? And this is the Messiah that Isaiah is alluding to, one that is a strong warrior. He is fierce and mighty. Jesus Christ is our mighty warrior. Amen? Meaning uh, one that fights your battles. You know the Lord will fight your battles if you let him. The problem is we let we try to get in there and help him fight battles when God's just saying, I've got this if you'll just let me do this. You say, hey, TJ, you don't know what I'm facing. You don't know my situation. It's impossible. Uh, and you say, I'm tired, I'm weary, and, and I don't know where I'm going to get my power and, and might. Well, can I tell you this? God has never lost a battle. He has never lost a battle. I love it. We sing that song from time to time. He has never lost a battle. And John 16, Jesus says, I have overcome the world. What does that mean? Everything you're facing, he's already beat it. Amen. Look at this, 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 8. 
And then the lawless one will be revealed, whom the Lord Jesus will kill with the breath of his mouth and bring to nothing by the appearance of his coming. What does this mean? Jesus is so mighty. Here, Paul is alluding in 2 Thessalonians to the Antichrist. But Jesus is so mighty that when the Antichrist comes, all he's going to do is speak the word and the Antichrist is going to be taken care of. That is a mighty warrior. Mighty God means the almighty conquering God. And Isaiah is calling the Messiah Jesus Christ, God, the almighty warrior. How many need an almighty warrior, warrior fighting your battles for you? Amen. He is a wonderful counselor. He is a mighty God. Here's, here's the third one. I'm going to ask the worship team to come. He is the everlasting father. Father here, now listen, This I don't want you to get your theology messed up here. I want to give you a little bit of guidance. Jesus is the Father. Father here is a benevolent protector. How many of you fathers would go to bat for any of your kids at any given moment? Amen. So, so it's a benevolent protector, not the first person of the Godhead. All right? I don't want you to get your theology, theology mixed up. And, and, and so... This protector, a good father, is going to protect his children. A good king is going to protect his people. Amen? And it's also the way that, that God is, is going to protect his people. So this does not mean Jesus the Messiah is the first person of the Trinity, God the Father. Okay? Rather, this is portraying a king or a savior. Talking about one who takes care of his kids. The key word here. In this bit of scripture is everlasting. Everyone say everlasting. Everlasting meaning old. How many are old in the house? How many feel everlasting? Meaning old without end. How many feel like this service is everlasting? Do not amen at that point. Jesus would say this in Revelation twenty two thirteen. He is the, look at this. He says, I am the alpha and the omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. Jesus is not constrained by time. He was, he is, and will be. I know that's hard for us as humans to wrap our head around. He was, he is, he will be. He always has been, he always will be. Look at this, John chapter 1. And I love it because, you know, every, every gospel writer has a different way to introduce Jesus. But John, I like the way John comes in. And, you know, Matthew, he gives all the lineage of Jesus. And Luke tells the story of Jesus' birth. And Mark, I don't remember what his is, but he talks about Jesus too. But John, I, I, I like what John says here. John 1, 1, he says, in the beginning was the word. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Jesus was, is, and will be. Maybe you're going through a trial, and it feels like an eternity. But can I tell you, Jesus doesn't know any bounds. He's not const con you know, constrained by time. He was, he is, and will be. And Isaiah 40 says, God, and I love this, he's eternal. He is forever. He does not end. But Isaiah 40 says this, God does not sleep or get 
weary. How many get weary and tired at times? The other day I, I, I took my bike out when the weather was still good, and I, I rode down the trail, and I got spunky. And I thought, oh, I can keep going, and I kept going, and I kept going, and I made it to town from my house. And then I realized I have to go back home. And I was tired and weary, and I was pedaling along the trail, and I had my headphones in, and I was just kind of going along as best as I could. And this guy came up behind me and startled me because I didn't, wasn't expecting him. He was going much faster than me. Well, in the process of seeing him or kind of because I couldn't hear him because my, my headphones were too loud, and my, in seeing him, I looked, I, he startled me. And what do you do when you look somewhere with a bike? You go that direction. So I'm like, like bumping into this guy almost. And so like he hurries up and gets by me. And then, and then I, I remember I, my bike kind of, not didn't fall over, but I just kind of stopped. And I put my leg down and my leg was shaking because I was so tired. I overdid it, right? But can I tell you something? Though you grow weary, God does not grow weary. He's everlasting. Do you hear what I'm saying? Jesus Christ, when you're tired, that's when he's at his best. The disciples were scared at sea in the storm, and Jesus told the storm, peace, be still. They were tired. They were weary. They were, they were tired of fighting it. Jesus just gets up. He's like, all right, peace, be still. Can I tell you, God will calm your storm. He will always be there for you. So, so he's a miracle-working counselor, amen? He is a mighty warrior in battle. He is also the everlasting father, a protector of his people forever. So here's the last one, the Prince of Peace. Everyone say the Prince of Peace. The motto for the United Nations founded after World War II is this. You ready for this? Peace, dignity, equality on a healthy planet. That, that is their motto. You guys want to guess how many years there has not been a conflict since World War II. They have a lofty goal. But they aren't able to, to reach that goal. Can I tell you, in, in all the human efforts, we cannot create peace. We can't do it on our own. We can strive for it, but we will never achieve it. So only the Prince of Peace can give true, lasting peace. I love this because this is the climactic title of, of who Jesus is, given to Jesus by Isaiah. And, and, and you said, well, my life is chaotic, TJ. It's kind of like the Tasmanian devil went to Starbucks, and that's my life. Overdone caffeine, right? How many know who the Tasmanian devil? Any Looney Tunes people in here? All right. No one under 40 raised their hand. All right. Your life may be like the Tasmanian devil that went to Starbucks. It's chaos. But can I tell you something? Jesus wants to be the peace in your, in your storm. The, the title prince literally means the head of the right to reign. Jesus is the head of peace. He has the right to reign over peace. Now, while this is transcending what we see here on earth, it's talking about his millennial reign. There's a far prophecy here. But I believe, Isaiah speaking of that, but I believe that there is the truth of the matter is that we can have the peace of God that passes all understanding right now. If you have Jesus Christ in your heart, you have access to the peace of God that passes all understanding. All you got to do is say, Lord, I need your peace. 
my world's chaos, my situation's chaos, and I, I need your help. No matter what you're going through, Jesus can give you peace in your heart right now. And I, I quoted this scripture earlier, John 16, 33. It says, I have said these things to you that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have tribulation, but take heart because I have overcome the world. Not only is he a good counselor, a miraculous counselor, not only is he a mighty God or a mighty warrior in battle for you, not only is he everlasting, knowing your situation doesn't get weary, but he is the prince of peace. He's saying, come to me, all of you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Will you bow your heads with me all across this building? And maybe you, you feel like, hey, I feel like the nation Israel, that I'm in a dark time. It's interesting to me because they're in the middle of this dark time, and out of this dark moment, the light of Jesus is prophesied about. And in the middle of your darkness, the light of Jesus can speak to your situation currently, right now. Isaiah prophesied about him. Jesus came and fulfilled these prophecies. He came as a young child, humbly. Not born in a, in a castle, no fanfare, quietly lived a peaceful, quiet life until he was free to do his ministry at about the age of 30, surrendering to the Father's will. He turned this world upside down. He was the son of the Son of God, still today. Maybe you're here and you say, hey, I've, I've got a trial, I've got a situation, Pastor, I'm, I'm struggling in my heart, and I need the wonderful counselor to work a miracle on my behalf. Maybe you're here and you're dealing with a battle. You say, I'm weary, I'm tired, I can't do this anymore. Mighty God to step in and, and do something. He is the everlasting Father. He cares for his, his children. He, he is the protector of his children. And he wants to give you peace today. Emmanuel, God with us. This is the character of the Savior. Jesus' name, I think I alluded to this maybe last week, maybe Wednesday, I don't name is, we call him Jesus, but his name is Yeshua. And Yeshua, the meaning of Yeshua is one that saves or salvation. Jesus Christ fits the character of a Savior in all aspects. Today, if you're going through something, I want to give you an invitation to know him as personal Savior. 
It's really quite simple. He's made a way. He bore your sins on the cross. He bore my sins on, on the cross. He would lived a sinless life, but on the cross he carried your sins and died with the perfect sacrifice, propitiation for your sin. He later raised from the dead, overcoming sin, death, hell forever. He has overcome the world. If you don't know him and you want to know him as a personal Savior today, I want to give you a chance to know him. If anybody in the building, no one looking around, no one moving, just, just, just bear with me just a moment. If you want to know Jesus as your personal Savior, would you just lift your hand? I want to introduce you to him. Best decision I ever made. And I can tell you if, if there are other believers in here, they would agree with me. It's the best decision I've ever made. My life was chaotic. I didn't know what true peace was until I knew who the Savior was. I didn't know what it was like for someone to fight a battle for me. I didn't know what it was like to God move in the miraculous for me. But let me tell you, since I've known Jesus, I've seen him work in all of these areas of my life. He's been all of these characters, all these traits. If you do want to know Jesus, I want to give you just a moment to know him today. Terry, just a moment. All right, thank you. You're here and you say, hey, Pastor, I, I'm, I'm just going to believe that we're all believers in here. And if you're online and you want to know Jesus, just, just put something in the message box. We'll, we'll, we'll reach out to you. We'll, we want to connect with you. We want to lead you to Christ. If you're here and you say, hey, Pastor, I've, I've been weary. I'm not knowing what to do. I need, I need counseling that borders on the line of miraculous. I need God to, to step in and do something amazing for me. I need the Lord to come in and fight a battle for me. If that's you today under the sound of my voice, you say, hey, Pastor, I, I need prayer in my heart. And I needed a reminder of the character of Christ. Can I tell you, he can be all that you need. If that's you, just would you lift, lift your hands. Thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Hands going up. Stand with me. I need you to do something with me today, church. We're going to pray for all these that raise their hands and their need and their situation. But I want you to pray for them like you would hope someone would pray for you if you were in that situation. You don't know their need. I don't know their need. But God knows their need. He is a wonderful counselor. He is a mighty God. He is the everlasting Father. He is the Prince of Peace. Why do you keep repeating that? Because that is who Jesus is. So let's pray. Come on. Just pray with me. Lord, Heavenly Father, God, we lift up each and every hand that was lifted today. Lord, those that are weary in their hearts, that are struggling. God, that 
maybe feel like they're walking through chaos in their life. Seems like a dark time. God, I pray, Lord, that you would reveal the light of Jesus Christ. Let the light of Jesus begin to shine in on their situation. God, what seems like darkness will turn to light. God, I believe miracles are going to happen in situations. God, what seems impossible will happen because, God, you're not going to do it halfway, Lord. You're going to do it above and beyond what we can even imagine. God, I pray, Lord, that you would go to battle for your people, Lord, those who are struggling with battles and situations. God, I pray, Lord, that you would make a way where there seems to be no way. What seems like impossible will be made possible through you. Anything is possible with you, Lord. God, you do not grow weary. Lord, you do not go grow tired. You are the everlasting God. You are the beginning. You are the end. God, you are not constrained by time. There is no end to you. So, Lord, move on behalf like a father would on your children. Lord, and lastly, Lord, we speak peace. And we pray, Lord, you would speak peace into chaos and the situations that seem dark, seem impossible. The peace of God that passes all understanding will guard your hearts. God, we thank you for this. God, I pray, Lord, you seal your word today. God, I believe, Lord, that this wasn't just another sermon, but God, I believe, Lord, that there is things shaking and things moving. Emmanuel, God with us, Lord, you came and dwelt among us. Lord, you dwell in our hearts. God, you are these things in the mighty name of Jesus. God, we we believe it. We decree it. We declare it in the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. And everybody said amen.